0: This is Democracy on the Move. (music) Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, May 14, 2023. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us. Today we're going to launch right into the program. I'm talking with Bernadette Holzer and Chris Burgess. Bernadette and Chris are part of a new venture we call Dirt Road Radio. We're going to talk about Dirt Road Radio because there's a a Kickstarter campaign starting tomorrow and we'd love everyone to get involved in this new exciting venture. For more information on Dirt Road Radio and to help with the Kickstarter campaign, visit www.dirtroadradio.com. So allow me to introduce Bernadette Holzer. She is a resident of Texas County, Missouri, in the heart of the rural Ozarks. She's a musician, activist, artist, and land steward who lives on her family's 166-acre hay farm. She's a hostess of the YouTube show The Blue Spark and is always interested in talking with musicians and activists, politicians, and environmentalists to shine a light on how we can bring rural America closer together, one state at a time. By the way, Bernadette has run for the Missouri House of Representatives District 143, and she'll run again in 2024. Chris Burgess is a Hoosier by birth and an Iowan since 2002. He's a scholar and an adjunct professor of English, a writer, an editor, musician, audio producer, and storyteller. He teaches writing and speaking courses, and he writes and produces music to share with his friends. Chris will dive headfirst into almost any creative challenge that involves helping others find their voices. And I can say I can say from firsthand experience that is true. And of course, uh, I'm personally involved in dirt Road radio as well. I am a native of North County St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, ended up pursuing an engineering degree at the University of Missouri, Columbia, and during that time there, I was a DJ at a radio station called KCOU. Loved those years. It was during a very very transitional time in music back in the early 1980s. There was a lot of, a lot of excitement. Um, shortly after I graduated, moved to the Los Angeles area, where I spent nearly three decades out there and immersed in a diverse range of roles, which included extensive travel and collaboration with people from all around the globe. Very exhausting, but also very rewarding. Now I'm happily settled back in Missouri because I lost my job in Los Angeles, but I decided, hey, why don't I just move back to my roots? So I'm back in Missouri right now, and I'm thrilled to be part of the Dirt Road Radio team and devote my expertise to something that truly makes a difference in the Heartland community. So let's get started. Uh, Bernadette, you're first. Uh, hello, and welcome to Democracy on
1: the Move. Hi, Dan. How are you doing this morning?
0: I'm just, just peachy this morning, just so excited I don't know what to do with myself right and uh and and Chris uh you too, Chris Burgess, hello, and welcome to the program. Hi, good morning good and good morning to you. so let's talk a little bit more about dirt road radio. Let's start off with the most important question I have, and why why build a streaming online radio station for the heartland? Why start it in the first place what what's going on here so Chris, why don't you take a first stab at this? Why are we doing this
2: <laughs> we we uh we need to. We need uh-huh. to hear from everybody, and and we're not hearing from everybody. And we need to, uh, share our points of view and our stories, and we're not doing that very well on the radio either. Uh-huh. So, that's going to change. But what's that need though? I mean, what um, is is
0: I, I I get it. Everybody needs to tell a story. Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody wants to tell a story, but um. But why? I mean, what what what's what's the purpose behind us? What's the bigger purpose behind this? Yeah,
2: the, yeah, the bigger purpose is to um create a, an environment in which we're not um sort of focused on all the things we think about ourselves and other people, but we're actually listening to other people tell us about what, you know, life is like for them. And we have a chance to talk about what life is like for us living in places that uh don't often get talked about or do get passed over sometimes for, um, lots of reasons. And, uh, I think in some ways it's about sort of, uh, breaking bread together over the, over the airwaves. Yeah. And Bernadette, you have
0: quite a bit of experience in the political world. You have experienced doing a lot of things and, you know, living in the Ozarks. I looked, I looked for your house on the map at one point. You <laughs> literally are, I, you may not be in the middle of nowhere, but I bet you can see it from there. And, um, so but you're but you're also very active in in politics there so what's your perspective on all this why why get involved in dirt road radio what are we doing here
1: well when I drive down the road you know and into the small towns that are around here all I hear is talk radio and it's always conservative talk radio and it always seems like it's the same thing and it's not something that I really want to listen to so i thought it would be nice to create something that that i would listen to and that i know that people that i that i care about would listen to and would enjoy so i started reaching out to some musical friends of mine and doing some interviews for the blue spark and it's been a lot of fun and i've had some really good response and i think what we are lacking is that we need people that will just listen show respect, find some common ground, you know, be kind of open-minded and ask questions of others. And that's what I'm here to do.
0: Well, let me ask, let me go a little bit deeper about that, too, because you said something very interesting that that a lot of, you, all you really hear is conservative talk radio out there in the heartland. And I think that it's, you know, you have a, a you're in the Ozarks part of Missouri there, but I think that really goes for just about anywhere in the heartland. And when I say heartland, I mean really rural America. And um, do you think that's had a polarizing effect on us overall as a nation?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I Like you say, it's not just here or there, it's everywhere. The last time I was in St. Louis, at probably last weekend, it was there too. And so I listened to about an hour or two of a show there, and they were... Pretty much just, uh, while well, they were insulting other people, other politicians. And it wasn't something that, that gave me any kind of hope or joy at all. So, you know, it was just, you know, am I going to listen to this everywhere that I go, all over the country? That's, that's not really what I want to listen to. And so, yeah, I think it's a problem because that's all you hear on talk radio. And I think we need something new.
0: Well, lots of lots of fear and doom and gloom coming through conservative talk radio, which, by the way, has been consolidated quite heavily into five major uh, media companies out there. And so you can switch your dial to somewhere else. Um, you know, Out in the rural areas, FM doesn't carry so well. It's a higher frequency, so it doesn't really follow the curvature of the earth to be uh-huh. technical. You can tell I'm an engineer. So that's why AM radio is very popular, because it reaches much, much further. But, um, and what they're reaching it with is this doom and gloom and fear. And uh, so, Chris, what do you think, in, in your perspective, what do you think the long-term effect of all this of all this talk about fear? I mean, there's lots of things of fear, right? We're talking about immigrants, we're talking about LGBTQ, we're talking about um, the shift in demographics and the loss of religion and, and the influence of Christian religion in the U.S., what do you think the long-term effects of this are on this nation?
2: Well, I think, you know, even past the, the the discussion about the, you know, political ramifications of the kind of division that we witness and the really drastic changes in the media environment over the last, what, 10, 15, 20 years is frankly corrosive. Really, it's corrosive. It takes it, 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 it us away from each other and it, pulls at our uh the you know the parts of our minds that dwell in things that you know aren't healthy for us so i think that fear can can really uh that that worry that anxiety that dread of something terrible just around the corner is is um is holding a lot of people back from being really doing incredible things you know um sharing their creativity, sharing their lives, their dreams, their hopes. Um, we get kind of focused on what's going wrong. And, and and that's not inhuman. It's pretty natural. But we don't have to encourage it 24-7, right?
0: And I'm thinking, you know, we everybody talks about how polarized this country is. And it's one thing you know, I, I, I have my, I'm kind of cynical about this, forgive me, but um, I think that it's done for political purposes and it's done for the reasons of consolidation of power. And, you know, fear is one thing that people respond to um, almost instinctively. In fact, they respond to it in a way that their intellect just goes away, right? Their, their ability to reason, their ability to use the human ability to find logic uh, goes away. And, and one example is, you know, they use the word woke often. And, it, and I've, I'm getting tired of asking people how to define woke. You know, I had to go to the books. I had to go to John McWhorter's book um, about woke racism and to try to get a good definition of it because you're not going to get it from any of the politicians, but they know that they can use the word woke but, to can instill, fear in instill fear in people. You can imagine so
2: if it's hard to figure out what woke means from reading McWhorter's book, it can't be much easier to figure it out when it comes out of the mouth of someone who's yeah. using it as an epithet right yeah yeah
0: how about how about you bernadette i mean you've you've been on you're you're running as a democrat and you're running in you know, what's considered missouri is just it used to be kind of a bellwether state a couple decades ago but not anymore and it's uh you know people refer to themselves as blue dots in the red state but um what, what's your experience with that? You're, you've, you're, you've been on the ground. You're having personal experience with people. Is everybody recruited in this in this um, fear-driven drive to um, um, alienate people and polarize the nation?
1: No, I don't think so. I think that it's easier to run on fear <laughs> than it is to run on hope. Okay. And I think that it's more important for us to do the harder thing and run on hope. I know that a lot of people aren't fond of the phrase, the blue dot in the red state. And really, in my experience, it kind of hasn't been that way. When I've been out there on the trail, I've met so many more Democrats and just independents and other people more in the last 25 years that I have here alone, just living my life as a normal person. So in politics, it's been rewarding because I've found others that believe the way that, that I do. And... And not that that's all that you want to surround yourself with, obviously, because do I believe that we can have different stories and different backgrounds and different politics and still get along? Yes, I do. I really do. You know, different tastes in music, different beliefs. I think that it's about about talking to people, just going to local places like, you know, churches and socials and dinners and, and getting to know your neighbors. I think we're lacking community. I don't think that we, I don't think that we're acting as if we were a family or a community like we used to do. People used to help their neighbors and they used to help each other with their children. And it's just, it's not like that anymore. And people are, so they're running on fear. But I don't think that that's, I think that that's the easy way to do it, honestly.
0: The fifth? No. Yeah. Well, it, it is easy. It, it short circuits the, fear short circuits the human brain. Uh, a friend of mine who's who's a um, pastor, he says, fear stands for forget everything and run. <laughs> and right. I think that's very appropriate. Um, and this lack of community, and the reason why I'm asking all these probing questions, because <clears throat> I'm still trying to get to, to you know, dig into this thing called why. Why do Dirt Road Radio? Because, because you know, we, we see it now. We see a lot of the fear being beaten like a drum over and over and over again, every AM station you tune to, we also see the disappearance of local media, newspapers going out of business, or worse than that, being being gobbled up by larger conglomerates who either then put them out of business or just simply have them reprint stuff that gets, that gets written from, you know, who knows where. St- certainly it's not being written from the local people at all. And what I find personally, and I'm kind of answering the question why as well, what I'm finding personally here is that um the, the Republicans have done an excellent job of branding themselves in rural America. And the MAGA Republicans, which is kind of a more recent development since, you know, the last decade or two, but particularly since Trump became president, the MAGA Republicans have have capitalized on that consolidation. But the odd thing is though that I, and and Bernadette you can you can tell me if I'm right about this, the odd thing that I find is that I don't think Republicans are listening to people in the rural areas either, are they? They're, they're beating a drum of fear and they're playing to people's base instincts, but are they actually getting out there and talking to people as well?
1: No, they're really not. Uh, you know, most of the events that I go to where Republicans and Democrats alike have been invited, the Democrats are showing up and the, Repu- the Republicans are not. If you call your representative, I mean, have you ever done that? Have you called your representative and gotten an answer or even gotten anyone on the phone or had them call you back?
0: I, I actually have. Mary Elizabeth Coleman is, is, uh, was my representative. Now she's a state senator. Totally disagree with her and everything. But she's actually been pretty decent to me on a, on a personal level. Um, but I've and I've also heard from uh, uh, the guy who was my state senator sent me a nasty 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 message one day that was just absolutely over the top so, wow. so yeah I mean I've reached out to these people and um and they do respond but um, but I, I overall I see what you're saying Though i I don't think that they're highly responsive to the people though
1: no not at all I think that you know anytime that I've done so and I've done it a lot I've gotten a basic generic form letter and it said here's what we Here's what we think, and here's what we're doing. Here's how we're trying to help you. And we appreciate your input. The end. You know, and so, yeah, if you go to some of these, like these stump picnics or, you know, any of these things where all of the candidates are invited, rarely, in my experience, do the Republicans even show up, even to these debates. In Missouri, it's been a real, it's been a real problem, especially, it seems like to me, when it's a, a female candidate and there's a male opposition candidate who just doesn't show up. And I'm not sure why that is, but it's it's happened, I've, se- I've seen it happen out here three or four times. And I think it's a little insulting because, you know, we spend our time going <laughs> and showing up at these places and then there's no one to to talk to and to share, you know, what's going on in our state. What can you do to help the people of this state? And they're just not there. Well,
0: you could substitute it with a with a cardboard cutout of your <laughs> opponent, you know, and just put him up there and, and put words in his mouth. I mean, you know, he's not there to protect himself, right? I mean, you might as well do that. Uh, but yeah, there's there's very little interest in actually doing the craft of 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 uh, politicians or the uh, political craft. I'm reaching for a word here; I can't think of it. But, uh-huh. but basically, uh, it's it's a being a politician. There's an art to it. And you have to devote yourself to the people. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I'm being naive, but um, so be it. I think politicians should answer to the people. I think they should answer to their constituents. And I get it. You know, there's a numbers game too. You have if you have like you know 10,000 constituents, you can't answer each one of them. But you know, one in every thousand people are going to step forward and ask you a question. So that's really only 10 people you got to talk to. Sure. You know, at a time. So I, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a problem for me.
1: Yeah, just show up.
0: Uh, show up exactly. That's and, right. And this is this is your experience in 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 the Ozarks in Missouri here. But uh, Chris, you're up in Iowa, and kind of give us
2: a description of what you see up there. Um, <laughs> tension, mm-hmm. tension, communities approaching each other with distrust and fear because the. Sources of information are so far from each other at this point that people don't know what to think about anyone who doesn't fit into their, uh, you know, notion of what's supposed to be. It, it's a uh, it's a it's a challenging time for Iowans because uh, you know we've had a pretty unprecedented legislative session in a lot of ways, and you know, without getting into details, there's a lot of people feeling. Uh, like we're in new territory in Iowa and I think that uh fear of not just change but of uh you know unknown foreseeable events um, it 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 casts a a a a shadow I think over our discourse in this state mm-hmm. and
0: do you get like do you get a lot of people showing up for debates, or is it sort of the same thing that that uh, Bernadette has been experiencing?
2: Well, I'm not a candidate for office, so I don't have the same experience that Bernadette has in terms of like all of the different things that she does and that other candidates do to show up. So it's really for me about understanding the conversation in uh, a broader kind of environment, media and uh, social media and. I I try to pay attention to lots of different sources of information, and and one of the big stories is it's really hard in Iowa right now to talk across the aisle without bitterness and rancor that comes from, I think, a lot of sources other than the problems we all face together. It's being pumped in from the outside. Yeah. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty apparent when you see people, you know, that I'm been on Twitter quite a bit. And I see a lot of people on Twitter coming from different parts of the country, but having the exact same message. And you know, this is being pumped in from far away. And um, so one of the reasons why I was uh, sort of getting to this, and I'll move on to a, a different topic shortly here, but but sticking with the why is uh, one thought- reason why I'm, I'm harping on this a lot is because when people feel like they're ignored, um, and then and then you get the element of fear instilled into them, um, they feel like, you know, I mean, they call us flyover country for a reason, right? Because everybody's getting ignored. Nobody's really paying attention to them. The only thing they have to glom onto is really this this message of fear that keeps getting put out there over the AM radio. And, um, and I think that, you know, for me, one of the things that Dirt Road Radio does is it provides people a forum by which they can talk through these issues that they have and feel like somebody's listening to them. And I was just reminded of this story that somebody had told me a long, long time ago, and I had to look it up. Uh, Thank you, ChatGPT, but it gave me (laughs) the, I couldn't remember what the details were, but it provided the details for me. And it's this story uh, that took place in ancient times, uh, specifically in 356 BC. There's this guy named Herostratus that uh, was a young man living in Ephesus, or something like that, which was a city, what is now Turkey. And he he set fire to the Temple of Artemis, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And why did he do it? It was a bid for eternal fame. And when he was captured and interrogated, Herostatus confessed that he committed this act of arson to immortalize his name. And the Ephesian, Ephesian authorities, they not only executed him, but they attempted to erase his name from history by instituting this condemnation of memory, if I could do some sort of technical name for it and made it a capital offense to even mention his name. But fortunately, there was another guy named Theopompus. I guess his name, I don't his name's escaped me, but <laughs> uh, he recorded the event and recorded Herostratus' name, and therefore, we still know of him today, and ironically, his name has been remembered throughout history exactly because of the infamous act he committed for that purpose. And I start looking at this, and I start thinking to myself, there are so many parallels to today where people feel like they are not being listened to, their stories are not being heard, they don't have any influence on the uh on on the big picture, right? And so um they get this mentality of let's just burn it all down. Right. And this is um this is very destructive. We've seen January 6th take place. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice here. I'm talking too much, but um we're seeing events like January 6th take place where um where this physically almost overthrew our government by people who had no idea of, of what they wanted next to establish you know, what comes next after we throw over, overthrow this government. All they knew was they had fear and they had this sense that they're not being listened to. And I'm not giving sympathy to these people. I think that you know, they, they, they should be punished appropriately, but it should also make the rest of us sit back and take notice and say, you know, maybe there's a deeper problem here that we can solve. And so for me, that becomes the why with Dirt Road Radio. It's like, let's get out there and put a microphone in front of people's face and say, tell us your story. And I don't care if it's a story about, you know, quilting or, or birds, or, you know, we've all talked about this in past meetings, but these are important stories because what emerges from all of that is the sense of importance. We won't end up with people like, uh, like hero that want to burn it all down. Right. So, uh uh-huh. um, sounds like you have, uh, is that, did I get that right, Chris? You, yeah, you, yeah you...
2: absolutely. The temple is still, well, what's left of the temple is a bunch of blocks and uh, pieces of columns, but it's still there in, uh, um, what's, uh, is now, uh, Kushadasi, Turkey, uh, where Ephesus used to stand Not too far from Troy. Um, and, and, I think it's a good story for this purpose precisely because it does talk about how irrational we get when we feel like uh, things are, you know, have gotten to the point where something drastic needs to be done. We, we let go of our idea that consequences should be considered, don't we? Um, Yes. That, that, that drive for immortality makes us do things that, uh, yeah, history talks about because we can't believe people would do them, but they do. Yeah, I do. And we, you know, the rest
0: of us think, well, that's pretty irrational. But on the other hand, it's no, I think it's human. You know, and again, I'm not excusing right. people from January 6th, not at all. But, um, but, you know, thank heavens that we, in a way, thank heaven that we're to a point where we realize this is the real problem. And that's where I see, you know, Dirt Road Radio stepping into this, into this vacuum and, and, and saying, you know, this is, going to be radio for the people by the people themselves, and they can talk about anything they want, you know, yes. whether it's politics or it's, um, you know, environment or whatever, climate or whatever. So let's get to the how, though. Um, this, I think we're kind of transitioned to that anyways, but I'm looking at the polarization of the U.S. So let's talk about how, I mean, what what is Dirt Road Radio going to do mechanically anyways to um, to help fix the polarization in the US. And I'll start with you, Bernadette, because you're actually the music director and you have some really good ideas in in, uh, providing music and making everybody aware of music coming out of the rural areas.
1: Sure. Well, I think that music and stories together bring us together. And I've been hearing some really fascinating stories from people that I've known for years and I'd never heard these stories. So what I do is I just get a microphone, like you said, in front of them. And I sit behind a microphone and we get on to, you know, a platform where we can both see one another. And I just ask them questions about their lives. And they are more than willing to tell me, you know, people really like to be heard. Uh, So mostly the people that I've worked with so far have been musicians. And most of them have been musicians that I know pretty well. Some of them I don't know very well, but I've enjoyed listening to all of their music. I've had a really good time editing, you know, the footage down and making little videos with their songs. So it's been a tremendous amount of fun. And I know that this is not going to be like your typical rural radio station, right? I mean, we're going to have a wide variety of music and musical styles and, and poetry and people telling their stories. So i think it's going to be exciting for people to get involved with and i think that once people see what we're doing and what we're capable of doing that they're going to want to do the same thing and hopefully they will they will join us and be storytellers as well and chris you know has been such a wonderful director at telling us how to tell those stories to keep people engaged and even if someone just starts talking about their life that's a story right there so several little stories can come from an interview and then you can you can really get a, a visual glimpse of, you know, it's very evocative. You can see and smell it, you know, you can you can sense it. So that's what's been fun to me. Uh, you know, and like like we've all been saying, we want to tell a better story. And I think here's how we do it. We just get people together and we talk and like you said, give them a platform to share what they're really feeling, what's concerning them, you know, what's bothering them even. And it doesn't all have to be negative, it can be joyous just getting that out you know can be very therapeutic so that's what I've noticed so far talking to people and I've had a great amount of fun doing it so I hope to I hope to interview plenty more people and and get to hear a lot more great music
0: well you're doing a great job of it too because um, every time every time i I see what you're doing you're like doing more music talking to more musicians and I'm really looking forward to getting that content on the air and I think you're right you know stories, and we'll, we'll get to Chris shortly, because Chris is really big on stories. But stories can be told through music and through poetry. And that really is, that's, that's a medium that can be used, as well as just talking. But um, music uh, evokes more emotion, puts more emotion behind it. And I've listened to a few of these artists that you've been talking about, Bernadette. And uh, I'm just excited that they are excited to work with Dirt Road Radio and uh, allowing us to air their content, and um, and you know I think it's co- sort of a win-win situation. We can provide some uh, recognition for their hard work, and um, and also get the word out there that uh, you know that rural America is not a uh, just all one-dimensional people, but it's, it's it's all it's a lot of people, a lot it's of different less. people. We're yes. going to get that word out. Yeah. So, Chris, regarding stories, I mean, that it was, it was largely your idea, and I thought it was a brilliant idea. You know, stories are a mechanism by which we can um, provide more messages and provide, um, you know, a, a sense of belonging. So tell us a little bit more about your approach to stories.
2: Well, yeah, I I, I think it's it, it, it works because stories are the foundation of our beliefs, right? If you want to understand what somebody believes in and why, there's a story. If if you ask somebody, why is this this way? There's a story. If you ask, why do we do this the way we do this? There's a story. And so not only do the stories encode all of our traditions and our culture and our identities for us, but they also give us a way to experiment with them and try out new ways of being who we are and to listen to the way other people experience their lives. Stories generate empathy and understanding and they help us walk in the shoes of other people. And it's really hard. I think when you hear someone's story to just shut them down as a non-person, you know, and the idea that I had was not just that we would tell stories, but that we would hear stories and share stories and build stories, change stories, and just, you know, really, pass up all of our, uh, I'm not sure what the word is I'm looking for, but the the feelings that keep us wanting to hold on to things for ourselves and not share them. And and stories are really one of those things that resists that tendency to kind of keep things to yourself because stories need to be shared. You can't hear a story and think to yourself, well, gosh, I'm never going to say that to anybody. Right? Because the next thing you're thinking about is like, who can I tell this to? I, I got to pass this on. And I think, you know, partly as a way of helping us gain some empathy for each other and some understanding for people that are different from us and 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 to learn how to tolerate things that we don't necessarily agree with and understand the, the strength and the value of having that diversity in place anyway is really going to happen when people are able to listen and talk in terms of the stories that make them. And that's what we want to provide some kind of a platform for And not just a platform, but also some, uh, you know, support people to help get the stories out, to get the stories right, to get the stories so that they will transport us as we listen to them to another place where things are a little different than they are. Yeah. Come back, we can bring some of that feeling with us.
0: And I, I... I, think I get a lot of times I hear stories but which I would you know somebody's trying to illustrate a point so they'll they'll state their point first and then they'll tell a, a story which I would consider an anecdote yeah and then and then they try to reinforce their point I think that's kind of misusing stories though don't you think because it's not really genuine to uh, to you know try to make a point we, we, we see this all the time or you know there's somebody I don't know got through the southern border and did some horrible things and so there is your anecdote right there but it doesn't tell the other you know thousands and thousands of other stories of people that went through that went through the southern border and actually became productive people and um, so the anecdotes are, are I think I know what do you think about that Chris because you' you're the professor but I think you know anecdotes can destroy a story in a sense
2: not if there are more stories if if the only story you hear is the one anecdote and it gets repeated to you over and over and over again eventually you're going to tune out the rest of reality, right? But if everybody is telling their stories and all you hear is anecdotes coming from every different corner of the world, then you will, I think, start to realize that stories and perspective are a matter of time and place. And they're not only different for everyone, but there are so many things about those stories that we all share. So we see in stories, not only all the things that separate us and make us, uh, pull us apart from each other but we also see all the things that make us the same it's hard to hear a story about a person going through the things that people go through and not feel at least a little bit like gosh I can relate right I I don't think stories are I think stories are morally neutral in the sense that the story itself is a vehicle for carrying our you know our thoughts our feelings our our desires, our dreams, our, our, our anxieties, and, and the things that scare us. But how we use them to either promote a point of view or to create some kind of action around a goal, that is where the rubber meets the road, right? And that's where the moral judgment takes place. I don't think it's in the story itself. Stories can be used for positive things, and stories can be used to drive terrible, terrible behavior. It's not the story... That's good or bad.
0: No. Well, there's also made up stories too, which <laughs> well, that gets into a whole different whole different discussion. But uh, I just want to point out, Chris that you're the you're the content manager at the station. So um, as such, I've already seen you in action being able to uh, coach people and you have several documents that that people that you've made for people to read, for people who are storytellers to read and as they structure their stories for on the air, because um, let's face it, most people, well, I would say at least 70% of the people, they need help telling stories, right? Uh, you know, my dad is one of them. He could ruin a perfectly good joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry about that, Dad. But, um, you know, this, it, so I, I like the way that you're coaching people through this process too. I think the people that are gravitated toward Dirt Road Radio, that want to work at Dirt Road Radio, um, already have an incentive to tell stories, and we've collected a number of people already. Um, well, not like we're collecting people; we've collected their 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 works, their stories, and um, and um, the way that the mechanism that we're doing it at this point is we're reaching out to different podcasters who are already excellent storytellers by the fact that they're podcasters, and um, we're bringing them to Dirt Road Radio as well. Then aren't we?
2: It, it It's a really important thing. I'm glad you, you put it that way because it's important for people to understand that storytelling is not one of those things that you're either born with or you're not born with. It's like, you know, riding a bike, right? You're not born knowing how to ride a bike. Some people are better at it than others. Maybe some of that is, you know, comes with being born or is a gift. But most of it is just practice and some know-how. And we're so inundated with stories in every medium and every place we turn there's a story and so we do understand all of us how stories work the way to uh harness that power is just to kind of slow down and take stories apart a little bit and practice putting stories back together and that really does amazing things it's it's it it's a it's a great feeling to watch somebody go oh that's the story i'm trying to tell not all this other stuff I thought was the story and they find the story and then they know they know the story and there's a joy in being able to tell it that way. And, and, you know, we all have our favorite, you know, poem or short story, a favorite film or favorite TV episode. And what all of them have in common, right? Is at the bottom of it, there's a story to it that we love. And to be able to tell a story, in a way that other people will love it is a is a superpower that i want everybody to have now,
0: i mentioned the same thing applies to musicians too doesn't it bernadette i mean you're you're a musician well you both are musicians um but um so bernadette in, in, from your experience do songs actually turn out the way that you start when you when you hear them in your head for the first time There's some exceptions of course like um, always look on the bright side of life. Of Monty Python, that <laughs> apparently was written during a lunch break, and it came out exactly the way he nice. thought it because he didn't have any time to uh, to modify it. I love but that song. I, but I would think, and I'm I'm not a musician, but I'm just kind of asking from perspective of someone who I've known a few musicians over the years. But does it is music is music the same sort of thing? There's a process to it, and there has to be like you know, does it turn out the same way that it does whenever you start?
1: Every single musician has a different process. Um, For me, it's not about forming something that's a piece of work, really. It's more like an inspiration that has come to me for a reason. And then it's just something that I have to sort of give birth to and put out in the world. You were talking Uh about, you know, people wanting to burn it all down earlier. Well, you know, I felt that way. And I found that the best thing to do instead of actually doing that physically is to write about it and then yeah. to sing about it, it.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of doing yeah. it. <laughs> That's right. No. right.
1: So yeah. sure. Yeah. I think that, oh, poets are, are you know, poets and, and authors, they're all really songwriters in a way, you know, and songwriters are poets. So yeah. You know, it's just about like Chris was saying earlier, we have we all have a commonality in our stories of some sort. So people are going to be able to relate to them in one way or another, no matter what it's about. So tell your story when it's about like the blue harem that you saw sitting on the side of the creek or the, the gourds that you're working with. Because it gives you some sort of spiritual and mental therapy to do so, you know art uh, there are so many things that that we can be doing that are creative outlets for our angst and our in our anger and our disappointment with the world and and they're all wonderful ways to do it so to encourage others to find a creative outlet for their fear or anger or their happiness or whatever it is is a wonderful way to nurture I think our society as a whole so I really appreciated you know the way that Chris has encouraged me to just just start talking. Just start talking about what it is that you see every day in your life. And then it'll somehow it will form itself into its own story. And we're here to, you know, kind of rearrange that and make it into something a little more interesting. But it's it's already interesting on its own. It's got a heart. You know, it comes from someone it's actually feeling something. And like he said, Sometimes we'll start telling a story that we think is about one thing and it ends up being about how we're really feeling inside. You know, they'll, when you finish writing a story, if it's a five minute story or an hour long story, you'll notice at the end there was something you were trying to say, but you just didn't know it it got to the end.
0: it's interesting. It's a lot like therapy in a sense too, because there could be a lot of things that are on your mind and they manifest themselves in different ways. And then, um, they come out in these different ways, but if somebody, you know, if, if, you ever like talk to a therapist or whatever, they'll have a way of, of looking behind that story and, and actually, and, and actually illuminating for you what is really going on. And, um, I think the whole nation, I'm getting back to the wise again, but I think the whole nation is oh. that way too, especially when I, when I talked about, um, about hero status, um, in the sense that, um, there's something else going on, and we can really get to it as a nation by just talking about it, by telling our stories, and getting to the root of the real problem. And it's my belief, maybe I'm naive too, but I think that the real problem isn't really that big of a problem. It's nothing that we can't solve if we all start working on the same team and start, you know, rowing the boat in the same direction sort of thing. Um... And yeah. I think that um you know people have focused on on doing just the opposite of that, and that's had its toll on this country. Um, I do yeah. want to get to the third part of this of this uh, uh, this episode here, and it's a fairly short part, but it's it gets down to the what. We talked about the why, we talked about the how, and the what right now is what is the what uh, how how can people get involved? How can people get involved in dirt road radio? i will hit, hit you with that question first, Chris, because I think you have some ideas in that area.
2: Yeah, I, I just want people to get in touch with us whatever way they feel comfortable with, really. Call us on the phone, <laughs> email us, text us, send a SkyWriter in a plane, whatever you want, get in touch with us. <laughs> and um, yeah. don't even have to have a story in mind. You just have to have the desire to express something. And, you know, as you were talking, it sort of reminded me, and Bernadette, too, what you said really, <clears throat> excuse me, put me in mind of that, I forget, actually how the words go, but the the thing that Toni Morrison said about how in difficult times, artists have to get busy. And
1: Yes, I loved that.
2: One of the things that we need to do a better job of is making sure that everybody understands that we are all artists. Some of us have more practice than others, but we are all artists, and we all have to get busy telling our story, making our thing you know, putting the world together again out of the pieces that we have in front of us. Wow.
1: Yes, absolutely. I would
0: love to end with that, but I know I can't, but that sounds really good. Putting the pieces back together. Yeah. You know, it really resonates with me. So in, in so far as getting a hold of us, uh, skywriting is actually pretty expensive. So, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that, um, unless you're a pilot already or something, but, uh, You can get a hold of us through the website at www.dirtroadradio.com. There is a contact form there and uh, fill out the contact form. Very simple. I think it's just name and, you know, email. That's it. So we're not really asking for a whole lot there. But, uh, you know, and if you have a message, you can put that in there as well. And I would emphasize, too, that we're not just storytellers here because there's a whole lot of administrative stuff that has to take place. (laughs) We're actually looking for an accountant at this point, part-time accountant. But, you know, if that's your thing, too, uh, you know, I'll, everything contributes. Just, you know, sit down and think to yourself, what are, what do I really like doing? Okay. And for me, it's definitely not accounting. But some people, that's the way they think. So that's what they want to do. But, um, you know, it, it could be anything, uh, audio production, um, graphic production. You know, I mean, just about anything that you can think of a radio station needs, um uh, It's here, you know, including business side of things. And I would emphasize also that Dirt Road Radio is not a 501c3 or a 501c4. We're actually a for-profit organization. Uh, We're working as an LLC at this point. But the idea is to um, get uh, good enough at this to where we can have some advertisers that will help keep us on the air. Because right now it's just all of us putting our own time and and, uh, effort into it and you can only last so long that way when you, you're gonna need some sort of some sort of financial compensation. Otherwise, you know, you're working full time and it's it's tough to end your work your full work day and, and, and work on another job essentially. So that's where we're at. And um, so that's kinda like the what in a sense. Any Bernadette, do you have any thoughts about the what? And what can pe- what can people do and, and how can they contribute?
1: Oh, they're all kinds of things that people can do uh, I'm personally looking for someone that can help me produce audio uh, you know and this is like Chris was saying about Tony Morrison this is the time when artists need to go to work this is the way that we heal as a civilization so anything that you do we can put you to work <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, get get to know yeah. us go to our website dirtroadradio.com check out our faces get to know who we are Get in touch with us, follow us, um, you know, get to know us as people, and then we'll tell you, you know, we'll talk with you and, and see what, what it is that you do in life, and we'll find a way to put you to work.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would also emphasize, too, that we, I, I, I mentioned this before, but we are finding some podcasters out there, some excellent podcasters that are producing material that is very, very similar to what we're doing in terms of, like, highlighting the stories of rural America and we're, we're collecting a number of them at this point, but if you have a podcast, or even if you want to do a podcast about uh, rural life in America, um, we'll definitely help you do that because there are a lot of people who have podcasts that we're bringing into the fold, in a sense. And, um, you know, you can still have your own podcast, but also um, Dirt Road Radio would like to put your podcast, put it into a, a live slot and put it on the air. And also... Um, you know provide a link back to your podcast as well uh, maybe you have a blog doing the same thing but the overall theme is uh rural life in america stories about rural life and would also emphasize that we're just you know right now we're focusing on rural life because i could just hear somebody say well why not urban life and like yeah there's definitely a need for that as well uh that's that's kind of out of outside of our wheelhouse at this point but um you know there's a lot of issues going on in urban areas that are very very similar to rural areas education for example uh health for example and um these issues resonate in rural and urban areas and guess what they resonate all over the whole country so um but if, anyways i'm kind of getting off track here but but oh. if you have a podcast or want to do a podcast you want to tell stories want to talk to people whatever we're we're totally open for that so just get a hold of us
2: uh, any final words of um, of encouragement, Chris? That, this was really great, Dan, and I appreciate you doing it. And uh, I just really uh, appreciate the team of people at Dirt Road Radio. It's been fantastic, and it's so much fun. And I just can't imagine how much less interesting my life would have been over the last several months without this uh, project and these people. So if you have uh, anybody who hesitates about wanting to get involved, um, send them my way, because I'll tell them, like, it's not a mistake. Yeah. I'm fine. Good point.
0: How about you, Bernadette? Any final thoughts?
1: Oh, if you are a musician, please get a hold of me. <laughs> and I will I will help you, you know, with some some exposure and, and play your music on our radio station and, you know, work things out and, and maybe do an interview with you and do a podcast with you and just please, you know, get in touch with us. We are, we are really excited about this. We're really driven and it's something that we, I think we all enjoy doing. And like Chris said, this is a wonderful team of people we've got, you know, we're very accepting. We're very welcoming and, you know, we'd like to see you. Yeah. Good.
0: Thank you. And I just want to emphasize too that uh, the Kickstarter starts tomorrow. This is being, this podcast is going to be released on May 14th may 15 starts the kickstarter where we're trying to raise some funds in order to go on the air and sustain the programming that we have and uh yes we are or I should say no we're not on the air at this point we will uh we plan to be on the air starting june 15 so we're still in the in the uh, uh content gathering stage um and as chris says uh boy oh boy it's just been a real fun thing to get involved with this with this group of people that we're involved with. And the immediate group of, of the LLC partners, I think, is like seven people at this point. But uh, outside that, that, that's like the inner circle. But outside that circle, there's a whole lot more people that are getting involved and, and helping us out. And um, it's uh, we do plan on going on the air on, on June 15, and it'll be available on just uh on tune in and iHeartRadio, radio you can ask for it on your cell phone you can tune in to it on your cell phone or your smart speaker just say hey you know um well, i'm afraid to say the name right now because i got an a l e x a sitting next to me and she's going to start talking <laughs> to me if i say <laughs> her name but i'll say so and so play dirt road radio for me <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh so it'll be on your smart speaker as well and we see that as being a, a you know this gets into the i guess i'm regressing into the into the what at this point but this gets into the technical thing of you know, tuning in a radio station that that is a rural radio that is a uh, streaming radio station, um, AM radio is convenient because you can just tune into it in your car or your or your place of business or whatever. But as rural uh, broadband rolls out over the, or as broadband rolls out over the rural areas, uh, you'll be able to tune in any sort of streaming radio station you want just as easily as you'll tune in an AM radio station. So this is a unique opportunity from a business perspective to really democratize the airwaves and and really fill that vacuum out there of of stories that need to be told that are from the heartland for the heartland. Um, you know, people are doing it with podcasts right now, but um, not too many, I suspect, at this point, doing it on streaming radio. So we're jumping into that market at this point. It's a great time to jump into that market because um, it's just ready. It's, it's just ready for it. I think people are ready for it. So, we've been talking with Bernadette Holzer, who's the music director, and also Chris Burgess, who's the content manager for, uh, for Dirt, Road, Dirt Road Radio. Sorry about that. Uh, Bernadette and Chris, thank you for stopping by and talking about this new exciting venture today.
1: Thank you so much, Dan.
0: Thanks, Dan. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that'll help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org slash contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Rey Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and would like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead. We hope you'll tune in again next week.